are Locked On Blackhawks, your daily podcast on the Chicago Blackhawks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to a crossover edition of Locked on Wild and Locked on Blackhawks, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your teams every day. Thank you for making Locked on Wild and Locked on Blackhawks your first listen every day. And just as a reminder, both shows are free and available wherever you listen to podcasts. On today's crossover episode, Seth Topol and Jack Bushman take a look at how these two teams stack up heading into a back-to-back home-and-home series, the first time that these two teams have played this year, and in fact, the first time in a couple of seasons. So we talk about where Chicago is at heading into this matchup, as well as how things are going for the Minnesota Wild before breaking down how these teams stack up against each other the next two games. My name is Seth Topal, host with the most of Locked on Wild uh, and host with the most amount of time spent covering Minnesota teams and their heartbreaks. Joined by the host of Locked on Blackhawks, Jack Bushman. And Jack, it's finally time. The Wilds and the Blackhawks playing for the first time this season. Not one, but two games back-to-back. And so... A rivalry renewed, which sees both teams kind of coming in uh, in different places. So, of course, happy to finally be able to do this here this year. What's going on? Seth, thanks for having me on, man. It's finally here. We talked about it in the offseason. That seemed like forever ago. We had the trek of the first half of the season, and now our two teams meet. Not only just twice back-to-back games, but three times within the next two weeks. So it should be a lot of fun. As you said, renewing that rivalry, the Blackhawks and the Wild didn't play in the same division last year. So I'm excited to see these two teams square off for the first time in quite a while. And I hope there is still a little bit of that division rival chippiness between these two these two teams because I always love those hard-nosed division rival games it's like when the Blackhawks take on the Blues as well those games I just feel like always mean more and you want to win them more right so I'm definitely excited to uh see these two teams square off finally for the first time this season tomorrow night if she if we ask Taylor Swift she would say that there is bad blood whatever the <laughs> whatever the lyrics are I I tr- I'm not a some huge PA, some PA announcers hitting that button right yeah, now. Yeah, baby, now we got bad blood. There we go. Um, so let's start talking about uh, where Chicago is at and how they've gotten to this point in the season. Because obviously, the season did not get off to a great start, but Chicago has righted the ship and is playing better hockey over the last couple of months. So I ask you, Jack, how did the Blackhawks right the ship after a abysmal start to the season? Yeah, I think it's a couple of things, Seth. Uh, Number one, I think they've, under Derek King since he's taken over, I think they've kind of found this identity being a stronger defensive-minded team, right? Earlier on in the season, we were kind of figuring out how they wanted to play, what kind of style. And I think with Jeremy Colleton here, there was really a focus on the system that he was running. And when the Blackhawks were playing in that system, there was a lot of scoring chances back and forth on both sides. And that, with the Blackhawks' offensive struggles that we've seen throughout the course of the season, not just in the earlier part, that didn't really suit them well, right? Because they're giving up a lot of chances. Sure, they're getting theirs, but they're struggling to find the back of the net. And when Marc-Andre Fleury wasn't getting off to such a hot start, other teams were pouring it on pretty early, and it made for a pretty disastrous first month to the season, Seth. Um, But on top of the Blackhawks kind of 
tightening up defensively, not giving up nearly as many high danger chances. I think that's been a huge reason. That's also made life easier for Mark Andre Fleury, and he has been tremendous since Derek King has taken over. Probably the MVP of this team. He gives the Blackhawks a chance night in and night out when he's in net. I mean, I knew Mark Andre Fleury was great, but I don't think I knew he was this good until I got to watch him on a nightly basis because not only his elite level of play obviously he won the Vesna Trophy last year, but I think the most impressive part to me is his consistency because game in, game out, now that he's gotten it going, he's comfortable here in Chicago, he's gotten himself settled, he's used to his teammates, he knows what style the team's going to run in front of him, he knows what his defensemen are going to do. Now that he's a little bit more comfortable, literally every game he plays, it seems like he's being a brick wall back there, giving the Blackhawks a chance to come out with two points, and they've been able to take advantage of some of those chances and gotten their record a little bit uh, closer back to 500. They're still working on it, but uh, they're definitely just playing more competitive than they were early on in the season. They're in a lot more hockey games than they were with Jeremy Colleton at the helm. Obviously, some names the Wild fans will be familiar with. Patrick Kane, Jonathan Taves, the guys that haunted Wild fans throughout all of those <laughs> playoff series over the last uh, decade plus. Uh, obviously, they have been uh, big reasons as to why the Blackhawks are kind of getting things back on track. But we're seeing some youth injected into the equation as well. So which do you think has been more of a factor? Uh, has it been some of the youth scoring that Chicago has seen so far? Or are we seeing some of those uh, veteran guys really step up and uh, and take leadership? Honestly, it's it's really the core guys who are carrying the load for the Blackhawks right now. Patrick Kane, he actually didn't score a goal there for about a month, which was very weird for Kane or one of the, I think it actually was the longest goal drought of his NHL career. Uh, but even when he wasn't finding the back of the net, he was still creating, uh, creating a ton for this offense. Jonathan Taze has picked it up since going 25 games in a row to start the season without scoring a goal. He has looked like his old self a little bit more these past three weeks or a month or so. Uh, and Alex DeBrinkett, I mean, you can kind of put him in, in both categories here. You can put him in the youth category and you can kind of put him in the, uh, core category as well, uh, but he's been absolutely amazing. I mean, one of the top goal scorers in the entire league. He hasn't been getting a lot of help from his teammates, and he's he's just shown that he is on on route to being a superstar in this league already at 23 years old. He's proven he's one of the best snipers. Without Alex DeBrinkett, I don't even want to know where this Blackhawks offense has been. I'd like to see a little bit more uh, help from the bottom six and the defensemen, because I think once the defensemen start pitching in a little bit more offensively, once the bottom six, I mean, I've been saying that all year. I don't know if once the bottom six is going to happen anymore, if the <laughs> bottom six can chip in, that's going to help this Blackhawks offense tremendously. It's going to take the load off of Mark Andre Fleury. You, you know, if the Blackhawks allow four goals in a game, they're probably not winning that one. That's how it's gone most seasons. So if the offense, if the depth guys and the defensemen can step up a little bit more and help those guys like to bring it, Taze, uh, Brandon Hagel, I should throw in that mix as well. Patrick Kane, they can get a little bit more help from the depth department. I think that's going to do wonders for this team because they're, they're really counting on the big guns as we're approaching the midway point of the season here, Seth. Uh, final one before we flip it to some wild-based questions. Uh, Seth Jones obviously signed a big deal, was acquired for a large uh, package uh, in a for trade. For the bag. For yes. the bag. He got the bag, and the Blackhawks gave up the bag to get him. And at the beginning of the season, coinciding with the slow start, there were a lot of people that were saying, yeah, a lot to give up, a lot of <laughs> money to give up for a player like that. But – 
at least from the outside, it seems as though he has picked up his play as well. Uh, what's the latest on uh, on Seth Jones as he continues to uh, navigate his first season in Chicago? It's actually funny you bring up Seth. Uh, that's actually funny. It's funny you bring up Seth. <laughs> Seth, ha, ha, ha. I thought I said something wrong there. Ding. But uh, Zinger, um, he actually just got removed from COVID protocol and will make his return to the lineup for the Blackhawks tomorrow against Minnesota. And that's a huge key because Seth Jones has been the anchor back there for the Blackhawks. And he did get off to a little bit of a shaky start, as did the entire team. And you know how Twitter be. People were gunning for him and the, the deal and uh, the, well, everything that the Blackhawks gave up in exchange to get him. Uh, but he's really righted the ship back there, and he's been incredible. I mean, playing 26, 27 minutes a night, he's tightened it up in the defensive zone. He's been one of the few guys that can uh, drive the play offensively for the Blackhawks, one of the few defensemen that has the speed to skate the puck up on the neutral zone and can do something with it, knows when to jump up in the rush. I've really been impressed with what I've seen from Seth Jones. Um, but at the same time, there, there's no denying that the Blackhawks put themselves in a little bit of a tough position with that trade. I understand why they did it, and I, I was someone that backed that deal a little bit. I said we needed a number one defenseman. The Duncan Keith era has been over for four years. We kept him here for a couple years too long. That poor 38-year-old man's playing 26 minutes a night for a terrible Blackhawks team. It was just a disaster, right? So the biggest thing the Blackhawks needed to do this offseason was go and get a number one defenseman. So I get why. They did that, why they gave up what they did in order to get Seth, because without him, I don't want to know where this team would be either. But by giving up an extra first-round pick, the Blackhawks don't have a very talented prospect pool, right? So to not have a first-round pick, they traded back to 32 in last year's draft, and now they don't have a first-round pick this year. So considering that the team hasn't exactly lived up to the expectations of the offseason, it's tough knowing that we don't have a first-round pick in this next draft because of that deal for Seth Jones. So it kind of goes both ways. The Blackhawks really needed a number one D-man, but they certainly paid a hefty price to get him. Um, but at the same time, Seth's doing everything that he can in his control to live up to that end of the bargain. Uh, and he's without a doubt been the Blackhawks' best defenseman this season. And uh, right up there with Marc-Andre Fleury and Alex Dabrinkit as the team MVP. Reminds me of uh, a, a Jared Spurgeon or a Jonas Brodeen. Oh, I miss them. <laughs> well, we'll uh, we'll talk Minnesota and uh, where the Wild are at. It's been an interesting year for the Wild, uh, to say the least, despite all of the success. So we'll continue our Wild Blackhawks crossover episode as part of the Lockdown Podcast Network after this. It is 2022, which means New Year's resolutions are in full swing. And if your New Year's resolution includes wanting to get in better shape, or to eat a little better, may I present you a Built Bar. Built Bar is the delicious protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. I'm here to tell you it tastes even better than a candy bar. Built Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate, and the average Built Bar contains 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Compare that to your average Twix, Snickers, Three Musketeers, whatever candy bar you prefer, and the numbers get much worse. 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and dozens of net carbs. If you have a secret stash of any of those candy bars listed, go grab it right now. Give it to one of your friends. Don't throw it away. I'm not advocating throwing away candy bars here, but get rid of them. Replace it with Built Bar. You will not be disappointed. And if you go to built.com right now and use the promo code LOCKED15, you'll get 15% off your order. 
So use the promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. Continuing today's crossover episode of Locked on Wild and Locked on Blackhawks, Seth Topol joined by Jack Bushman. And Jack, I will put myself in the hot seat now. Whatever questions you have that are Wild-related, fire away. I am an open book. Boom, let's get to it, Seth. First question I got, I mean, Minnesota, what a start here, buddy, eh? 23, 22-10-3, I mixed up those last, 22-10-3, <laughs> that's actually the second highest point percentage in the Western Conference right now. They're not in a playoff, or not in the division playoffs right now because they played fewer games than the other opponents, but the Wild have been arguably the best team in the Western Conference this year, Seth. What, in your opinion, have been the biggest driving forces behind this team getting off to such a good start in the first half of the season here. I'm going to get super cliche because the biggest thing I think for this team is the overall team chemistry has led to a vibe that this team does not have, you know, a superstar that you have to go to in clutch situations to win you a game. They have a group of guys that are all capable of doing that. And may I present into evidence exhibit a the fact that the wild have scored in 15 empty net situations this season uh i believe five of those seven of those have tied the game late so if this team is down one two goals with time winding down in the third period they go to the empty net they're usually going to come away with the goal uh, the other nights uh, against the Colorado Avalanche, Monday night, the Wild were down late and uh, ended up rallying to tie. They gave up the go-ahead goal to the Avalanche with, I think, three minutes left to play in the third period, pulled the goalie and scored within 15 seconds. This is a team that is never out of any game that they play. And on the flip side, we're seeing the dynamic change from a team that was all about defense and really trying to physically out-muscle opponents during the Zach Parise and Ryan Suter tenure. We've seen this team now shift to a speed and offense type of lineup. They have a ton of guys with a ton of speed. Doesn't hurt to have Kirill Kaprizov as well. And so this team... He's pretty good. Yeah, he's he's doing pretty good this year. Um, We've never faced him. No, I don't know what he looks like. Oh, you're in for a How weird is that? We've never faced Kirill Kaprizov. That's that insane. is weird to say. That's insane. But uh, yeah. Sorry to cut you off. But- no, you're, you're in for a treat there because uh, this team just, you know, it, it, co- it goes all the way up to the top to the leadership. Bill Guerin and Dean Evason built this team uh, with a particular vision in mind. And Dean Evason trusts everybody on the roster to do their job. And so, as I, as I alluded to earlier, you know, if you get into a situation where you're trailing in the game late, you have a bunch of guys that are capable of doing the job. Ryan Hartman was leading the team in goals before Kirill Kaprizov just passed him a little bit ago. Marcus Foligno's got 13. Uh, Kevin Fiala is starting to heat up. This is a team that just has a ton of options and believes in every one of them to get the job done, which has led to, yeah, if you're going to key in on Kaprizov, try to slow him down. Other guys are just going to step right up. Yeah, I, one thing I definitely noticed in my research of Minnesota is uh, you, you go and look at some of the numbers. Not a ton of them stand out. They're middle of the pack on the power play, the penalty kill. 
goals against per game. They're even middle of the pack, but third in the NHL in offense. I don't think many people would have guessed that the Minnesota Wild would be a top five offensive team in the entire league this season. Um, but I, I was going through some of the stats, and as you said, Kirill Kaprizov tied with Ryan Hartman for most goals on the team. A uh, bunch of guys in double figures. Matt Zuccarello has been a point-per-game guy. Kevin Fiala was someone I also noticed that's been starting to pick it up. He's got three goals in his last five games, I believe. Uh, I think it, it's just – with Minnesota, you're able to see everyone's chipping in. I even noticed a lot of the defensemen have three or four goals. I mean, yep. I'd be killing for that if I was the Blackhawks. <laughs> I mean, we get no goal from our defensemen. I go, look, John Merrill's got three goals. I'm like, well, what is going on here? Does everyone just score from Minnesota now? You know, it, you know, it is a team that's is built with a ton of guys that can. And that, that has been a staple, I think, since Dean Evison took over, is that he likes to get the defensemen involved as well. Doesn't hurt when you've got you know, Jared Spurgeon and Jonas Brodeen. The team has not had them for uh, a good portion of the uh, the last couple of weeks. But you sign guys like Alex Goligoski, John Merrill, Dmitry Kulikov. They've all been great in their first uh, season with Minnesota. But I, I think the thing that is truly so impressive to me is just how devastatingly good this team is in five-on-five hockey. To where, as you, as you mentioned, power play numbers aren't great. Um, and the power play numbers at home are even worse. They're somehow, I think, like dead last in power play percentage at home. Um, might even be special teams percentage. But this team is just disturbingly good at 5-on-5 uh, at five five hockey because they have line combinations that have really paid off dividends. You've got Kaprizov, Ryan Hartman, and Matt Zuccarello, and that line has been carrying the team for the last two weeks, you've also got now what you're we're starting to see in Matt Boldy, a youngster for the Wild who's getting his first play in the NHL this year. Him and Kevin Fiala have really started to uh, to pick up the play themselves um, on that line. And then you've got the line that really was the steadying factor through the whole season last year in um, Marcus Foligno. Jordan Greenway, and now getting Jewel Erickson back this weekend. That's the line that can go out and can bully the opponent while the other lines focus on scoring. It's a mix that has just worn down opponents, and it's led to Dean Evison not having to rely on one of them to get through a game. We've seen the fourth line play in crucial situations at times this season. We've seen him mix and match even during games. It's just such a finely tuned roster that when healthy is one of the best in the game and they don't have to get those man advantage opportunities to beat you. They can just beat you with what they've got on the ice and even strength. And they do it a lot. I also wanted to ask about the resiliency overall and how much credit of that do you, do you got to give to the coaching staff and Dean Evison? Because when you brought that up, just the resiliency of this team, I think that's something all good teams need, right? Every team is going to face adversity, but it's how you respond in those moments. And from what you've told me, it sounds like the Wild has handled that pretty well. It actually, when you brought that up, it made me think of the 2010 Blackhawks team because every time they were down 5 nothing in a game once, came back 1-6-5 against the Calgary Flames. They were just that type of team where they meshed well, they had a good head coach that they trust, and I was just curious if you think having Dino calling the shots has really made everybody buy in, and that resiliency, I think, is kind of a result of that, right? I, I'm going to say something that may come off as a hot take, considering that this wild franchise has had Bruce Boudreaux, who is a fan favorite and is one of the more 
you know, ener- energizing personalities in the entire NHL. Um, a team that also had Jacques Lemaire as their first coach, and same thing. Dean Evison is my favorite wild coach in franchise history because he has the ability to command higher performance from the team and also just seems to know exactly what it takes to get the most out of every single player. He Back when he was in the, uh, the Nashville Predators AHL system, he worked with Kevin Fiala and uh, Freddie Goudreau um, in the minor league system. So he obviously has a much deeper uh, connection to a guy like Kevin Fiala. And so at times when Fiala's play hasn't been up to standard, Everson has uh, put him out on spectacle as being a guy that needs to pick it up. But he does that because he knows that it's going to work. Everson has benched multiple guys. He did it last year with Zach Parisi. And we in Minnesota know it a lot more than people outside the rest of the hockey world do. Zach Parisi and Ryan Suter pretty much ran the team while, uh, while they were with the Wild franchise. And Dean said, nope, we're not going to do it in the particular way that uh, Parisi did. The incident that led to him getting benched was trying to help Marcus Foligno get a hat trick in Vegas last year. And uh, he stayed on the ice through his shift. Vegas ended up scoring the game tying goal and ended up winning in overtime. Dean said, we don't do that. Benched him the next game. A guy like that benched him. He gets the most out of the entire team. And if you would have told me before the season started that the Wild would be without Jared Spurgeon, Jonas Brodeen, the only center on the roster that originally played center in Jewel Erickson Eck, I would have curled up in the fetal position and I would have started looking at, uh, at mock drafts. And this team has weathered all of it with a true next man up mentality. Ryan Hartman, who was not a natural center before this year started, played there a little bit at the end of the year, having a career season, and has played center pretty much every game this year. Um, You've got some of the young guys. Matt Boldy coming up, and he's a point-per-game player and looks the part. Next man up mentality. You've got guys up and down the lineup that just are willing to throw everything they've got at it because they believe in what this team is building so much. I can't speak highly enough about the combination, Bill Guerin and Dean Evason, and for a state that just saw their head football coach and football GM both fired because of the lack of locker room chemistry that the team had, so refreshing. And like, if you get the sense that I'm amped up even just talking about it, it's because I am. Because There's a big smile on your face, pal. <laughs> it is super easy to believe in what these two are putting together with this team. Yeah, I mean, that's what it seems like from the outside, at least. Seems like Dean's done a really good job with that bunch. A uh, couple quick questions. A uh, couple quick last questions I got for you, actually, a couple guys that you just brought up. I got to ask you about former Blackhawks first-round pick, Ryan Hardman. You've talked about him a little bit, but dude's just a, a killer now on that top-line center role. He's got 16 goals, nearly a point-per-game guy. He found a home next to Kirill Kaprizov. How good has he been for Minnesota? Oh, he's been he's been a revelation, and... I I need to eat a little crow because I was as the season ended last year into this year pounding the table saying I'm I'm it's admirable that Hartman filled in at center with this team really not having a lot of true center depth 
but I don't think his natural fit is center. I think he needs to be more of a wing, and I could not have been more wrong about that because he has been just such a breath of fresh air with the way that he plays. He came into the season saying, I got to shoot more, and he has with great results, and he has a handful of those uh, late goals with the empty net on the season. I think he's had a couple himself that have been game-tying goals in those situations. So he's fearless out on the ice. He's a great leader for this team. He signed a hometown discount to stay because, as he put it, he was frankly just sick of moving around. So he signed a hometown discount to stay with the Wild. He is the epitome of what Minnesota Wild hockey should be. And he just he's just such a fun player to watch play because he's such a pest to his opponents. Oh, yeah. He's he's just gritty, um, can help you out in pretty much any area that you need. He, he is one of the unsung heroes of this team, and adding the offense this year has just made him lethal. Yeah, I think there's a lot of people around the Chicagoland area that are happy for Ryan Hartman and what he's been able to achieve here. As you said, bounce around with a bunch of teams Really couldn't find a home. He showed some flashes back when he was young with Chicago, man. He just wasn't able to piece it all together at that young of an age. But I can't say I'm too surprised to see Ryan Hartman become this type of player. I didn't think he'd be a top liner. I'm not going to lie to you, but I knew he always had something in his bag. He's always got some fire. He's got energy. He's got some size. He's willing to scrap out there. He's willing to do it all. So uh, glad to hear that a guy like Ryan Hartman, a Chicago boy, uh, former Hawks first round pick is finally having some much deserved success over in Minnesota. Actually kind of a funny story that was brought up in the Blackhawks media yesterday. Uh, Hartman's condo in Lincoln Park, Chicago is actually being rented out by Caleb Jones right now. I didn't know that until the media talked about it the other day. I was like, oh, Hartsey's still being a boy, throwing out some apartments to some guys. I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. You absolutely love to see it. Yeah, right. And uh, last guy I wanted to ask you about was uh, Matthew Boldy. I mean, he's only played four NHL games so far, but he's got four points. He's looked pretty good. As you said, he's already um, created some chemistry with Kevin Fiala. Uh, talk to me about Boldy a little bit because uh, Blackhawks fans probably aren't too familiar of, uh, with him, but what kind of game does he play and what should they be looking out for tomorrow night when they see him for the first time of what could be many throughout the years? Well, and the, the thing I think that jumps out at me so much about Boldy just right off the get-go is how good he is at handling the puck. And he has had already, he's being asked to do a ton first and foremost. Like he, as soon as he came up with the team, he's, pl- he's playing power play minutes. He is, is playing meaningful minutes with a, a guy like Kevin Fiala. So it's not like he is just being put on like the fourth line and just we need a body to fill a spot. He is playing a role on this team, and he got his uh, first goal of his career in Boston, which you you can't write that any better. Like, give that to um, give that to any major director and turn it into a movie because it's just an unbelievable script. But he he just has that vision that you expect from an NHLer to have, and to be able to anticipate where teammates are going to go, as opposed to simply trying to move the puck up and down the line. He knows where to put it, and he is just such a confident skater, too. He just glides up and down the ice. He's got a little physical to him, which is nice, but he is a guy who is just one of about a 1,000 guys that the Wild have in their system right now that has offensive upside, 
and is going to be asked to play a major role on this team. He lit it up down in Iowa um, earlier this season and last season as well. And so it made sense for him to come up and uh, and get some meaningful minutes up in Minnesota. He has not disappointed at all. And you look for some of the things that, that might suggest that he shows any signs of slowing down. I see none of that because I see a guy that just he just works as hard as anybody on the team and you can't really scheme against that as an opponent. You can't scheme to outwork somebody who does not slow up at any point. He motors all the time. He's a fun guy to watch and uh, just, just watch him with the puck when he has it uh, for the wild, because you can kind of, you can see him looking to that next play pretty much every time he has it. And you can't teach that kind of uh, ice vision. That's just something you're born with. Yeah, it should be a lot of fun to see Matthew Boldy for the first time. Kirill Kaprizov for the first time. It's been way too long since these two teams have squared off. You ready to get into some predictions, brother? Yeah, let's uh, let's talk about how these two matchups are going to go because we get a back-to-back with these two teams. So plenty to dive into. We will finish up today's crossover edition of Locked on Wild and Locked on Blackhawks after this. BetOnline.ag would like to wish you a happy new betting year as we continue our march towards the playoffs and beyond. BetOnline.ag remains the number one spot for all the best sports wagering action for 2022. A new year and a new updated desktop and mobile website for you to sign up and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. All you have to do is type in the promo code Locked On to get things rolling. They have everything from the NFL playoffs to the NBA, college basketball, the NHL, boxing, and UFC, all the way down to your favorite Vegas casino games. So don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for 2022 and beyond. BetOnline.ag is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all of your favorite sports. BetOnline.ag, where the game starts. Final segment of today's crossover edition of Locked on Wild and Locked on Blackhawks. Again, make sure that uh, Locked on Wild and Locked on Blackhawks are your first listen every day. Both shows are free and available wherever you listen to podcasts. All right, we've got two games. We've got a home-and-home at Chicago, then at Minnesota as part of Hockey Day Minnesota. First chance to see these two teams square off in way too long. So let's uh, let's start with the goalie position, Jack. The Wilds are hoping to get Cam Talbot back uh, this weekend. Maybe going to start on Saturday, hopefully. So it'll be Capo Kakinen to start. And uh, so... If we look at the goalie position, I think I'm going to have to lean towards uh, Marc-Andre Fleury having the uh, the edge here at least to start because turns out he's got a pretty good history uh, against the Minnesota Wild from his Vegas Golden Knights days. Yeah, I, I think uh, I'm interested to see what game they're going to give Flower here. He started seven in a row, but that's because Kevin Lankin and their, the Blackhawks backup has been in COVID protocol. They removed him earlier on in the week. He's going to start one of these two games. It's going to be his first start in around a month. I believe his last start was December 18th. And it's not going to be easy going up against the Minnesota Wild. So that honestly, uh, the, a Minnesota Wild offense ranks third in the NHL, I should add. 
Um, I'm really interested to see how they're going to go about it because I honestly could see the Blackhawks going with Lankanen tomorrow night at home and then putting Flurry in that on the road on Saturday to give them the best chance to win that one on the road. I think that probably makes sense to me. Um, but I'm not going to lie with Kevin Lankanen not having a game in a month. He hasn't even been all that strong as of late when he did get his chances. I'm pretty concerned about what, whether uh, one of the two games at Lankanen uh, is going to have to get in there. But I, I'm curious. I wanted to ask you about Cam Talbot. You said uh, Kakinen's probably he's going to go on Friday night. I noticed with Talbot, not the best numbers. I mean, three goal goals against average, a save percentage below 910. Um, has the offense been able to just kind of pick it up when he hasn't been on his game or what's kind of been the situation with Talbot? I'm curious. So it's been a very uneven year for, uh, for Talbot. He was great last year um, in his, uh, his first season with the wild, but this year, you know, he has had some games where um, he, he has given up. It, it seems like he has given up a lot of uh, extra chance goals um, whereas last year he seemed like he was just so good at smothering the puck and not allowing rebounds to uh, to bite him. But he's also given up some just bafflingly weird goals. In the Buffalo Sabres game, a pass attempt deflected off of Jordy Ben's skate and hit him on the back of the shoulder and went into went into the net for a goal. And so while he has given up more goals this year than last year, there's been some of that kind of BS that has gone on to where you see the goal happen and you're just like, I don't know how you defend that. <laughs> yeah, right. And, you know, I think the Wild have kind of been hurt by some of the new rules. You know, you can't, uh, you can't back check anymore um, without getting a penalty. And so there has been a lot more traffic in front of the net um, because your defenders can't, like, they Cross can't, check. yeah, they can't just, you know, clean the ice out in front. So there have been a lot of deflected goals in front of the net. And this was kind of something coming into the season that we had in the back of our mind as something to watch, but not something we were hoping we would ever have to talk about, is what if we did get the best of Cam Talbot in his first year in Minnesota and uh, that his numbers kind of came back down to earth a little bit. And as a result, the Wild have had plenty of games that they've had to win 6-5, 5-4, those types of things. He has made huge saves at points um, during those games, during those wins, which is why he was leading the league at one point with 15. But at the same time, it does feel like the offense has had to bail him out uh, at various points throughout the year. So it'll be interesting to see if he, um, and the, the reports are that he will play this weekend. So that would lead me to believe that he'll start on Saturday. But it seems like the offense has had to kind of pick things up for him at points. So I do worry about that because, you know, yes, the Wild have had a ton of comeback wins so far this season. But that, and I've said this probably about a thousand times, that seems like something where you're not going to be able to go to that well all the time. So at some point you think that's going to kind of level out, but this team just continues to prove me wrong. We're just going to have to wait and see. But yeah, when you say um, 
Talbot's probably more likely to get the start on Saturday. That honestly makes me believe even more that I think it's going to be Talbot and Flurry on Saturday and the Blackhawks get the Wilds back up on Friday. I think that's probably makes a little bit more sense to get Kevin Lankin in his first game in a month as well. Um, but for the Blackhawks, I, I just got to say, Seth, if they find a way to split this back to back, I'm thrilled, man. I'm thrilled, man, because I'm telling you, one of these games, I have a feeling it's going to get ugly. The Wild, you say they're a great five-on-five team. It could be that game against Kevin Lankin, and sadly, I feel like one of these has the potential to get to get ugly. Just from a Blackhawks perspective, I know how they play against good teams. Consistency has been hard to find for this Blackhawks team. I could see them coming out and putting together a really good effort in one of these two games and then looking like a completely different team the next night because it's the kind of season it's been, dude. Roller coaster since Derek King has taken over. They Blackhawks won four in a row. Then they literally split win-loss, win-loss for a month. And then they lose six in a row. And then they win four in a row. So it's like, I don't, there's no consistency from this team. It's all over the place. So I kind of have the expectation that one of these games, I think this weekend is going to be close, Seth. The other one, I have a feeling may not be so close. Yeah, the Wilds do have a tendency to... And I don't know if it's just because they don't like Winnipeg, but they have boat raced a few teams this year. Um, but there is a tendency to get off to a little bit of a slow start. Now, sometimes, and I'm learning to do this a little bit more myself, sometimes you just got to tip your cap to the opponent, such as on Monday's game against the Avalanche. Um, the Avalanche were the better team through a majority of the first period, but the game was scoreless. So the Wild were the Wild were contending with that, and they were still battling. Um, ended up giving up two goals at the end on two consecutive penalties, which you just you can't do. But when the second period started, came out with way more energy and uh, scored within I think the first two minutes of the second period to uh, to make it two to one. So. It is a team that even if you get them down early, they respond. So it's, uh, and with playing games more regularly, we're seeing the team get off to much better starts. Um, it's, it's just a matter of, you know, weathering the storm, especially on the road, and uh, just trying to keep it close and uh, working some of that magic down the stretch. Um, I, it is interesting that. Uh, in both the Washington and the Avalanche games, the Wild had to come back from two goal deficits and uh, were able to do so both times. Would love to see that not be a, a regular trend. But, you know, we, this this is a team that's trying to get back into normal rhythm after having seven games postponed. So some of that is just rest versus rust. But I, I get the feeling that with it being a former rival that uh, they haven't seen in uh, a couple of years. I think the Wild are going to come out swinging because I think they I think they really want to they might not admit it, but the uh, the last few postseasons going Chicago's way. I think the Wild want to get both of these and uh, and try to at least have bragging rights in that capacity. Yeah, I don't know if uh Patrick Kane has haunted anyone more than Minnesota wild fans, like honest to God. So I could definitely see Minnesota wanted to take it to him for the first time, uh, kind of ever really since he's been here in Chicago, but it should be a super fun matchup, man. We've been waiting for so long for these two teams to square off. You think, you think Minnesota is going to take both of them? That your prediction? I am going to go four, two in game one and three, two in Saturday's game. All right, I think I think the Blackhawks are going to win tomorrow night 
at home. Actually, no, I'm going, they're going to win Saturday. Flurry starting. I don't trust Kevin Lankinen, <laughs> but I'm going to say they're going to win on Saturday, three to two in overtime. They love winning in overtime. They have like six regulation wins all season long. It's pretty gross to be honest. Uh, but I have a feeling, I don't know why Blackhawks fans, I hope I'm wrong, but I could see a five, one game coming when Kevin Lankinen gets in there. You say Minnesota's a strong offensive team. The Blackhawks, they have consistency issues. You talked about Minnesota's resilience throughout this entire game, or this entire segment. <laughs> the Blackhawks just can't put together consistent 60 minutes, right? Even if they're ahead 4-2 to two in the third period, I would not be confident in that third period against Minnesota with the way that you've been talking. So uh, I, I am going to say the Blackhawks will win one of these two matchups, um, and I think, honestly, they'll, they'll take that as a win and uh, go on with their schedule the rest of the way, Seth. I, I will say, too, if the Wild are trailing at any point during either of these games, uh, Dean Evason in the Winter Classic. Dean Evason went empty net with 10 minutes left in the third period. I remember. So not afraid to do it at any point. And so if the Wild do find themselves down by one or two at either point in either of these games, Dean's going to try to make quick work of that. So should be an exciting matchup between these two teams. Glad to have it back. And uh, that's going to put a nice, neat little bow on our crossover episode of Locked on Wild and Locked on Blackhawks here for today. So make sure to check out uh, both shows wherever you listen to podcasts. And uh, make sure to check out the Locked On NHL podcast as well for your second listen of the day to get the lowdown on everything going on in the National Hockey League. But that is going to do it for Jack Bushman. I am Seth Topol. Happy hockey fans and uh, enjoy these matchups. We certainly will. You can uh, hear more about your favorite teams, the Wild and the Blackhawks, by finding new episodes every Monday through Friday as part of the Locked On Podcast Network.